when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There we go. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Well, hello and welcome to The The One Show Show, something that listener Heather on Twitter this week described as a podcast about a show you don't watch by people who watch it under duress and who will make you wish you did watch it but you still won't. We're happy to take your descriptions at The One Show Show on Twitter. And she's right, each week we look askance with increasing incredulity, I suppose, at television's popular bottom-shelf magazine programme, The One Show, and dissect it like children in science pulling bits off a frog. I am John Holmes, and this week... Ross Kemp is rude to the Chinese, a gas engineer uses a toothbrush to attack a van, and an annoying child claps. And joining me, having endured all of that, is regular The The One Show show regular and co-host, co-host I suppose, of the much more successful than this one, Wrestle Me podcast, Mark Haynes. And for the first time on The The One Show show sofa, she's a BBC presenter, and you'll notice I said she, which means she's getting paid a third of what Mark and I are getting. Welcome, <laughs> Sophie Law. <Lord. laughs> from the BBC, from the actual BBC, actual Sophie. Actual BBC. I know. Do you, are you allowed to do this? I don't. I haven't checked. Okay, that's probably yeah. the best way. I okay, find good. that's very useful at the BBC. Do you know what the BBC like? They like people who don't check in advance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, you'll have done your last BBC gig. Yeah. And, uh, and here you are on the The One Show show. Well, welcome along. We should first of all say, before we start even talking about this week's programmes, is one of the reasons we've got you here, on the fact, you know, you're a brilliant broadcaster, Thanks. is of course, you've been there. Yes. And done that. I mean, not on the sofa. No. But in the building. Yeah. 
<laughs> so tell us about your one show experience. Okay, well, I got the chance to take my parents, who are enormous one show fans. Make of that what you will. There, we found them. Oh, yep, there they are. And they were so excited. And then we arrived, and it was the night of the giant animatron T Rex, which you may or may not have caught because it was over the summer holidays. Over the summer holidays, oh, yeah. And they just got even more excited. <laughs> and then we walked in, and they said, would anyone like to be chased by the giant animatronic T-Rex? And my dad and I went, yep. So I was chased on the one show by so a you were giant... So yeah. you were on television? I was. It being was chased. through a window. Let's not yeah. build it up too much. Sort of Matt sat there and went, what's that noise? And you saw a flash past the window and that was me. You flashed? <laughs> No, oh, wow. I was clothed. How, there was about I, 16 of us. I don't us understand how this and works. And Michaela Strachan. <laughs> <laughs> Not joking. And they asked us to be really scared and scream and run away. And they did a sort of camera pan to the big T-Rex. I think it was called Walking with Dinosaurs or something. It was some kind of experience yeah. that Michaela Strachan was involved in. Did you, did you have to apply for a ticket? How does this work? I don't understand. Uh, I don't know because it was something to do with me working I did a training thing and they let me go. Of course. But I think you can apply to go be in the audience. The audience. The people standing, (laughs) looking a bit (laughs) bored. So, what were they like? Was it a nice experience? Was everyone really friendly? They were very lovely. I mean, because we got chased by the T Rex, we were at the back of the crowd and I'm not the tallest. John, you. Well, All right, leave you know. it. Um, so I didn't see much <laughs> because it was sort of like being at the back of a. You were stuck behind a, the T Rex. They're very tall, <laughs> notoriously. Sorry, could you could you bend? Would you mind, T Rex? I I paid just as much for my ticket. <laughs> Is that your impression? It is, yes. I was also picturing it trying to drink a a can of Coke that it's paid £2 for and not able to get to it. Yeah, so it was. I feel like that T Rex experience kind of ruined my one show viewing experience because all I could see was Matt Baker's ear. (laughs) Did at any point Alex act very panicked? It wasn't Alex, it was Anita. Right, yeah. I'll tell you one person who, of course, wouldn't have been presenting that show would be Dan Walker, of course, (laughs) because Dan Walker, uh, he's a born again Christian who doesn't believe in evolution uh, and he doesn't believe in the existence of dinosaurs yeah you're absolutely right it's He'd a just shame gone... you didn't see that show isn't it because <laughs> you know there was one there it was chasing Sophie it really was but they did have to do some acting there was sort of the old Jurassic Park you know bang on the table bit of glass wobbling yeah. and they both had to go what was that and Adam Hills inexplicably was involved in this well, you know, I believe a dinosaur bit his leg off is that right <laughs> and there's our first edit <laughs> <laughs> right, well, look, let's talk about... Um, I mean, it's good to have your insights. <laughs> of course they're all lovely. Insight. Of course they are. We they know are. That. That's why this programme is... But it, yes, we talk about it, but it's a celebration. It's an affectionate... It's a celebration look. of, uh, to go into someone else's very subpar art. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very well-intentioned, well-meaning and affectionate kicking. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. So where do we start? So, Sophie, you should start. I mean, you've, been, okay. you've had to watch it this week. You don't yeah. watch it... We know your parents watch it now, mm-hmm. but you ordinarily it's just I mean number one it's on at a stupid time because I've got kids and that is the hell of bed and bath time right Yeah, everyone's in with this Oh yeah. so you never get down there but also there's other things to watch isn't there come on (laughs) that is the big problem for the one show (laughs) is there are other things to watch 
I mean, as you say, flies, your hands, <laughs> the backs of your eyelids, your, your watch. Just, you might as well just sit and stare at it passing half an hour. Or that little worry thing when you're waiting for the internet to come Exactly on. that. No, I know what I'm going to start with here because I know I already know this has happened. You got involved, I'm going to call it a Twitter spat. Oh, no. On the back of watching an episode, Mark, that you'll like this. Great. On the back of watching an episode of The One Show this week, mm. Sophie mm. got involved in a Twitter spat with one of the guests. <laughs> Which guest? Uh-huh. Peter Crouch. Peter Crouch. Really? <laughs> yeah. My tweet has now been viewed 105,000 times, <laughs> which is definitely... Now, what's good is, I watched Peter Crouch on this, and I thought, God, he came across really well. What, what a nice guy he seemed to be. And so I genuinely have no idea what you've picked up on. He still is a nice guy. I didn't have a spat with him about his appearance on the show, mm. but I guess it must have been in my mind, because I'd watched it and seen about his book and then he'd just done the worst tweet ever about his book which was something like my book is really good and then there was two inexplicable spaces and a full stop so I retweeted that saying not if that's your grammar mate (laughs) and he came back to me and said it was just a space instead of a full stop I'm sorry and it's just all gone crazy amazing maybe it's because he's got such long hands Peter Crouch's spaces are all six foot seven as well. Someone else pointed out that actually he's probably further away from the screen than the rest of us, so maybe he can't see to punctuate. I love the, but... be- the beginning of the episode uh, with Peter Crouch in it. It's like a little visual director's joke. So they were going, yeah, and here's Peter, and next to Alicia Dixon. Yeah. Uh, whatever that is. <laughs> and, and I understand she's off pop star or something. Is that right? Well, she used to be the a mystique. She's from Welling Garden City. Oh, well, I should have known that. She's my home yeah. girl. Okay. They, they started very quickly with Alex drubbing her over a laugh because she was enjoying herself. So obviously oh, yeah. it was a strange noise no one on the one show had heard before. <laughs> <laughs> and they stuck with they had the camera shot, wasn't it? It was a shot of two of them on the sofa and it was badly framed to make it look like Peter Crouch was too tall to fit on a television. They cut his head off. They cut his head off yeah. and there was a leech. <laughs> <laughs> second, you guessed it, is the owner of that brilliant laugh. <laughs> Peter Crouch and popster, talent show judge and author, Alicia Dixon. <laughs> hey! Talk to me, Peter. Oh, there we go. All right, Adam, frame up, frame up, Adam. That's all. There you yeah. go. Oh, cheers. <laughs> there we are. Then the, the artifice was revealed as a little joke about him being six foot seven. Yep. And then we can see him sitting on two cushions to make the shot work. So they cut to a wide, and then he goes, Can I move the cushions now? Welcome, oh. welcome. As if you needed the cushions. <laughs> can I take the cushions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why is he sitting on cushions? I know. I Thanks know. for that. And there you go. Oh, you're sitting on cushions. Well, obviously, he's sitting on cushions. And he goes, So hang on. So the artifice. So he is tall, but to make the shot, you had to put it even him on cushions, <laughs> thus negating the entire point of him being too the, tall the for the joke is, he's too tall for the shot. The reality is, he wasn't even too tall for them to do a joke shot. <laughs> um, important point about that little bit there, by the way, is that Peter Crouch, when they were doing that bit, Matt then said, oh, frame up, Adam, frame up. We've got the name of someone who works on the one show. Magic. Now, there are no credits. They try and keep it quiet. I have written him down in the big book of reckoning <laughs> for when the trials happen at a later date. There's a BBC cameraman named Adam. He is the only identified member of the backstage one show yep. crew. Adam, I'm terribly sorry to tell you this, but TikTok. <laughs> and I wonder, now you say that, and I we've touched on it before about why there aren't any credits at the end of the one show. Is it because contractually everyone who works on it says... 
I don't want my name attached. Do you know, actually, I, to the I, I was I was offered a job about two years ago now, writing on the Katie Hopkins show that they did on one of the <laughs> oh, wow. small channels. I can't remember which one it was. I think in the end it was recorded and it went out, but there was a lot of security around it. She was at that point quite a sort of you know polarizing figure. And, <laughs> that, that, is, yeah. is she not now? Well, yeah, no, she's more like she was now, not like she was back in the days when she was just a fun Big Brother contestant who'd had sex with another woman's husband in the field. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically said to me, will you write on it? And it was well paid. And I only time in my career where I've said, do you know what? It's probably not for me. And they immediately got back and said to me, just so you know, there's not going to be any credits. So that no credit. At which point you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I met her. We married. I changed my political opinions. Um, and uh, now you think all immigrants are cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't just laugh at that. I should say no. Because, because if, it's, if it's worth stating, it's worth stating on a medium that never disappears off the internet. No. <laughs> uh, this, I thought, was, by the way, an exemplary episode. Oh, it was. What was oh. it? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, so we had Peter Crouch. Yeah. Now, I mean, let's... Fame. I mean, We've got to talk about fame. There we go. That's exactly right. The kids from fame. The opening gambit where she said, oh, so we, we met, I sent her a letter and we became pen pals. And I immediately thought, stop, I need a half an hour yeah. episode on just uh, this. Uh, this was a piece about a woman who is a serious crimes detective in Liverpool yeah. who spends her spare time trying to get the old cast of the TV series <laughs> of fame back together for a one-off concert in a huge venue <laughs> taking place over two nights, which she is self-financing. She's like a detective Justin Lee Collins, isn't she? Bring back the kids from fame. Uh, she, she probably has met Justin Lee Collins <laughs> in the course of her work. And initially you thought... <laughs> Initially you thought, you know, good on you, this is great. And then they were watching the opening credits of the TV show and going, got her... Oh, not got him. Oh, not got him. He's dead of age. Oh, not got her. (laughs) Got her. And you went, wait, this is starting to sound a bit rubbish. Do we need to clarify for our younger listeners what the Kids from Fame actually was and how significant as a TV show? It's a 1980 film about a lot of hopefuls in a dance class. Directed by Alan Parker. I mean, it's a pretty... And it became a TV series and its basic sort of idea behind it was... If you apply yourself, your dreams can come true. It was like glee, wasn't it? It was was glee, but back then. In fact, and I've mentioned this before on the radio, but um, but normally, you know when people say, what was your your first gig? Yeah. What was your first gig? Uh, My first gig? Yeah. 1998, I did a gig... No, not you. Oh, I right. mean, that you oh, saw the music. I mean, that you went to. Oh, yeah. oh, the, oh the, no. the first gig Bloody I went to. Bloody ego on this guy. <laughs> the, the first gig I did was I was the lead singer of Deep Purple. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No, the, the first gig I went to yeah. was Deep Purple at Hammersmith Odeon oh, with my friend who was really into rock music. See, that's very good. That, yeah. is, that is you, Sophie? I hate this question because I'm really uncool. Yeah. <laughs> you probably don't remember. There was a band called M&8 and they did a song called I've Got a Little Something For it's You. A classic banger. And I went to the Coconut Club in Hatfield right. and someone stole the ring off the singer's finger while, while he was reaching out to the audience. They did to have this, a little something this, for us. <laughs> to this day, imagine the credit. Imagine that. That's bragging rights in the pub, isn't it? I've got the ring off the rope from Emanate. Wow. Yeah, that was bizarre my first that there's one. an American who every time Hatfield is mentioned, he visibly goes, Oh shit on mate. Shit on <laughs> strange. I've um Tell well, us my, yours. well this is the thing. So when when asked in polite company, I will say, uh, nineteen eighty five, Birmingham Odeon, Iron Maiden, 
Power Slave Super tour. Cool. Thank you. What was the, the truth? The truth is, <laughs> 1983 NEC Kids from Fame live in oh, concert. Oh, yeah. And I took my then girlfriend Penny and, and went to see the Kids from Fame because I absolutely loved them. Yeah. I have the album. I've still got it. My kids now like the album. Yeah. So they can sing all the words to Star Maker. I think I had it on vinyl. Fidelity. I've got it on vinyl. Yeah. Do you yeah, know, I actually, I mean, I, mean I, I was going to say this, but the actual clips they showed of it, it looked brilliant. It still brilliant. looks super Weirdly cool. Weirdly gritty. Uh, you know, you think of fame and it being fluffy and things, and you realise that back in the 80s, when they were doing these long-running things, they were actually sort of socially and politically aware. And that thing, it's grimy and dirty. Yeah. And the people in it are all sort of young and talented. And it's just thrilling. Yeah. It looked yeah. really good. It was such a success, wasn't it? And that's mm. the thing. It was a big thing. But the, most of the cast of, of Fame didn't go on to do much. I mean, a couple of them were in ER, I think, later on, or gotcha. this kind of stuff. But the one, the one they, went, they went, look at this face. And there was once someone standing in the audience at the front, not yeah. where you stood, Sophie. But they go, look at this face <laughs> from right the 80s. The Who's this? Before they mentioned it, and I went, I don't know who that is from the 80s. No. And it was Doris off of Fame. And you go, my God, Valerie Landsberg. I yeah. even remembered her name. <laughs> and, and so the, she's joined forces with them to get yeah. all for charity to try and get this woman self-financing this Kids from Fame gig. It seemed like a mad thing. They say at one point, what happens if this doesn't yeah. really sell out? And they, they had a bloke there who was the head of the UK Fame fan club, which is still going. I mean, <laughs> who knew? The very fact that you love Fame and you're not a member I'm of the not. fan club, who is? He said that a lot of people had indicated they might be going to yeah. come. This all sounded bad. And they said to her, what happens if it doesn't sell out? Uh, will you lose your house? And she sort of went, well... Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah. Which oh is my basically a yes. God, what a terrible decision you've made. And, um, In your spare time as a, as a serious you, crime investigator. I don't like to see people Police. investigating serious crime who make really bad mistakes. <laughs> all, all I did was going, she earns a lot to pay for this. Yes. How much are they paying the serious crime squad yeah. in Liverpool? Oh, do, oh. You, do you deal with a lot of financial crimes? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I thought she got drawn into it by the description that the fame guest said, because she said, we were a group of people bound together at a very young age. There was no life outside. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she got into it because she just thought she was investigating a crime. <laughs> well, but, fame costs, doesn't it? We know that. <laughs> you mentioned it was going to be a fundraiser, and there was just a bit right at the end where Doris Schwartz, she was obviously rattling through it, and I presume the other two, Matt and Alex, had sort of begun looking at their notes and she realised she had to wrap up. And she said that they were raising money so that children can grow up to be orchestras. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I did, we often talk about what you've learned this week Mm. from the one show, and that is is coming up, of course. But one thing I did learn that Danny, when the Kids of Fame was on, there was a character, Danny, Mm -hmm. and he was a stand-up comedian in in the show. That's what he was trying to be at the drama school in Fame. And the, the joke at the time, the joke on the program was that he, he was a stunt comedian because he couldn't sing. Uh, but now he's involved in this. And I showed a clip from the kids from Fame, kids from Fame, uh, new video mm. where the guy playing Danny still can't sing. Oh, I mean, no way can he sing the, the new song, acting. Satellite, or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. they, they mentioned as well that that song will be up on YouTube tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> Man, come on. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. It's not a release, is it? No. It's still going to get more than this. You know, <laughs> you know yeah, but it's a lot more popular in than fairness, this, Mark. There are no serious crime scene investigators who are bankrolling this <laughs> and who will lose their house when it doesn't work. <laughs> the 
For the Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. The secret lemonade drinker adverts. Geese. That time on Biker Grove when Agma Parling got shot in the face with a paintball. In each episode, I interview funny, interesting people I like. People like Phil Jupiter, Alice Lowe, Richard Osman, Riley Silverman and Danielle Ward about their biggest fears in a judgment-free environment. It is spooktacular. The Fear. And remember have nightmares because they're an entirely appropriate response to the horrors of modern living. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. <laughs> Rule of Three, a podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films, and TV, and books, and records, and comics, and people that make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. Of, I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Hans Solo did for a job. <laughs> you don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing while Desperate. being punched in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own jokes, good morning, you lazy bastards. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcasting. 
other episodes. I, I want to. I want to mention the Joe Lysett episode, and I don't think either of you saw this. And the reason no. for that is I went back to the Friday before because someone tweeted me and said and said, "Have you seen the one with Joe Lysett?" Mm-hmm. So I think it was his first time presenting it. I think, and I love Joe. You know, so and I thought I want to see. I want to see Joe Lysett yeah. presenting the one show. What's not to like about that? The answer is quite a lot, actually. Really, um, no. but I, but he was like doing that thing. He knew. You know, he was there going, well, I, I know how this works. And he was very funny. Um, but they also had Ross Kemp on. And the whole thing then became a sort of flirt-off between <laughs> Lysit trying to get off with Ross Kemp <laughs> on sort of BBC One early in the evening. Because Ross Kemp was on to promote that thing he's done with the armed police. Okay. So there's a programme called Ross Kemp and the Armed Police. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ross names his own show. I mean, I mean, I actually wrote down, this is great. I now want to see Ross Kemp and the Temple of Doom. (laughs) Ross Kemp and the Prisoner of Azkaban. (laughs) And also Ross Kemp and the Blustery Day. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh-esque Ross Kemp. (laughs) Ross Kemp and the Prisoner of Azkaban does sound a little bit like one of those ones he did where he went to try and get in ISIS. (laughs) (laughs) There was a whole sort of sort of flirtation between the two of them. And, and then they did this thing where Ross Kemp was trying to teach Joe Lysett how to be hard. Now, fill your own Joe Lysett start joking there, obviously. Um, but they had to do looks to camera. And Ross Kemp did his best, Grant Mitchell. And then Joe Lysett obviously couldn't. Oh, God, there's so much in here. Right, so how to, how to unpack this. Right, so then there was a, the, they do a thing on the one show on a Friday where they have, what takeaway are you having? Let us know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen they, that? No, but they teased ahead to it being Lenny Kravitz and Alicia Dixon <laughs> yeah. nearly fell off the sofa. That's classic one show, isn't it? Is this takeaway delivered by yeah, a celebrity? Yeah, they seem to insinuate Lenny Kravitz would choose your it's takeaway. It's not delivered by, so you, you say what you would like, right? Mm. So this couple had got in touch and said, well, normally, you know, we've been married 50 years what it was and this and what my husband likes is a sausage sandwich on a Friday and I've indulged him for 50 years <laughs> oh my god kill it's yourself it's like simmering resentment <laughs> and this, I finally like a Chinese so they got Ross Kemp to phone a Chinese takeaway <laughs> to phone it to phone it in Hinkley in Leicestershire so Ross Kemp phones a Chinese takeaway in Hinkley in Leicestershire where my sister lives right. uh, that's just a aside uh, and, and and but Ross Kemp then was really rude Ooh. right to the and I thought they're just setting this up I don't know what's going on Ross Kemp the clash of what was going on so Ross Kemp's trying to play uh, they told him to go be the be Grant Mitchell gotcha but phone a Chinese in the style of Grant Mitchell oh. and order a meal for this couple who watched the one show oh my goodness and he was genuinely just going now listen I'm only saying this once oh my so this God. poor woman on the end of the phone just going you're are you going to kill our driver? Yeah, Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. What? Who knows what they're going to get through their letterbox they now? Also, <laughs> they also missed an entire trick because you're going, okay, so Ross Kemp's being Grant Mitchell and, and it just came across that he was being sort of racially insensitive oh. and a bit rude to the Chinese while Joe Lysett giggles next to him. Right. Listen good and listen hard. I'm a man that doesn't like to repeat himself. You need to order house special chow mein with soft noodles. That's my line! Also, um, crispy shredded chicken fried rice, Ross. Crispy shredded chicken fried rice. And make sure there are definitely no sausages. No sausages. Nice work. No sausages. <laughs> what, what they should have done was that whole taken phone. You know the taken phone call? A, a Chinese taken way is what I wanted. I wanted Ross Kemp to be sort of going, I don't know who you are, but I know what I want. 
Well, I have a particular set of menu choices. <laughs> <laughs> set menu choices. <laughs> menu choices I've acquired over a very long career. <laughs> menu choices that make me a nightmare for people like you. <laughs> if you deliver that now, that'll be the end of it. I do not want a free calendar. <laughs> I do not want prawn crackers. What I do want is house special chow mein with soft noodle. <laughs> well, no, they could have done that. Yeah. But no, instead he just sort of went, Joe Lysett repeated the order yeah. to tell Ross Kemp what to say, but the woman heard Joe Lysett off phone and repeated it back to Ross Kemp before, they got on speaker, before Ross Kemp did it. And he just went, that's my line! <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like a prank call. This is worse than sax game. Or harassment. I'm the BBC on the front of the Daily Mail for this. I'm looking forward to when like Clint Eastwood comes in as a guest and they make him play the character from Gran Torino, where he's really racist. Choose one of them. We've got a Turkish restaurant. Have a go, Clint. <laughs> oh, oh god they had they had yeah. quite a food thing because they had Jamie Oliver in on Monday yeah. yes. and they brought him in and they were celebrating the fact that he's they, they said you've been on television now for three decades <laughs> he didn't look best pleased he looked a bit annoyed about that I uh, didn't feel best pleased when they said that fact I was like <laughs> but they they actually did a little bit of hard journalism from the start so they softened him up by going three decades here's a photo of you when you were one year old here's a photo of you when you first started in TV let's take a look at him now now here are the headlines from the jerk rice controversy where you were accused of cultural appropriation and Jamie Oliver just rolled his eyes I mean he really sort of who would have expected the one show to mug you essentially you still look really young thank you keep it going keep it's the lighting it's the lighting and the makeup did you think though at the age of 43 that you would now be defending your jerk rights oh no hey you just punched me right in the dark um yeah these are some of the headlines i mean people are not happy um with with you calling jerk rice jerk rice for starters yeah it's a it's this is the world we live in it's called a quiet uh news week he said the line which i loved no one's invented nothing all foods and evolution <laughs> no one's invented nothing he did get done over on this but it was exciting to see the one show just go in with both yeah. shoes his PR probably went that'd be fine they won't mention it yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. it's not like you're going on the Today programme yeah. oh, or something so, did you enjoy the, the little video there about the cat now we've got access to your tax records <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go through it line by line Jamie <laughs> You, you saw this one, Sophie, right? You yeah, saw I saw most of this. I mean, it was the, when he said, he was talking about the paper, and he said, imagine Italy without tomatoes, and Alex just went, travesty. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a new series where he goes to meet these elderly Italian grandmothers. Nonnas. Nonnas, which yeah. they said again and again, like it was a word that, if you'd missed the setup. You just go, oh, there's a word in English I don't know. And he was basically saying, yes, you know, I'm trying to get these recipes. I'm trying to save these recipes before these people disappear. And mm, save or publish. (laughs) (laughs) But he mentioned the series had taken two and a half years to film. Some of these women were in their 90s, John. (laughs) They're not going to see it go out. This is, it was just terrible timing. Do you know what I hate? And I hate this. All TV chefs do this. It started really with the bloke who's got the river cottage, Hugh, Hugh. Fernley Whittingstall. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's this funny thing where TV chefs 
their job is being a TV chef. Mm-hmm. And they find it incredible that ordinary people can't spend seven hours a night making their own maca-fucking-roni. Right? <laughs> this whole show seems to be about going, you are wasting your life if you're not hand-rolling your own macaroni every evening like Jamie Oliver or this old woman. 49p. But think what 49p <laughs> for a great big bag of it. Uh, but imagine what you could do if you didn't watch the one show. The t- that half an hour could be spent rolling pasta around your kitchen. I could have made all the pasta I need for the do week. Do it while watching the one show. <laughs> I want to... I want to... Let's bring it in now. Talk about handbrake turn of the week. Now, oh. this is a regular feature, as we know. This is where the one show comes out of an interview or a film and then links to something else in the most car crash way possible. So, you know, it was on the Joe Lysett episode. They were trying to, as I say, convince Joe Lysett to be uh, hard, like uh, Grant Mitchell. And then they just sort of went, well, um, Joe may never fully convince us as a hard man, but Jim Moir, a.k.a. Vic Reeves, (laughs) has been to meet a van driver who's doing a pretty convincing job as an artist. Doesn't follow all of it. Huh? Uh, well, Joe may never fully convince us as a hard man, but Jim Moyer, aka Vic Reeves, has been meeting a van driver doing a pretty convincing job as an artist. I like as well a con- pretty convincing, like a van driver could never be a real artist. Yeah. You know, that's an impossibility. Well, what was it and I thought, and this was my takeaway moment of going, this is a really good thing. Mm. So there's a gas engineer in Essex who, you know, when people, if you and I, Right, and you, Sophie, were to draw a picture on the back of a dirty van. It would be a cock and balls, wouldn't it? That's, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's what it yeah. would be. Uh, but this guy does art, like proper art, in the dirt. He uses a toothbrush to clean it and a rag. And he, he went viral because he did a picture of the soldiers in the Battle of the Somme. I really thought you were just going to say, a pair of tits. <laughs> <laughs> a bold departure from the pop and yeah, balls. And it was acclaimed. Google it. Google Van. Uh-huh. They call him Vansky. Vansky. Like Banksy. Why don't they call him Van Gogh? Van Gogh. That would be the obvious one. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> or Rembrandt. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. 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 But no, Vansky. That's <laughs> not even sound like Banksy. No, that's no, no, pathetic. No. And he's a gas. But anyway, his art is amazing. Okay, yeah. Right. We'll tra- so they sent Vic Reeves to try and do something. But that so that was what that, that link was about. But as I say, his art was amazing. But what I noticed was I googled because I'd never heard of him, so I googled him, and he said to Vic Reeves, "I'm a gas engineer by day. I just do this. No profit. Then the rain washes it off." And they, they, the picture's incredible. He done a big one of Vic Reeves. They are. I'm, I'm, the fact I promise it, you. The fact it this doesn't last long makes it a more amazing. Utterly talented. It's yeah. a, the, this stuff is just like photorealism, but in dirt. Anyway, so I googled him, and the, the Sun newspaper had done a story about Van, Vansky. Mm. Vansky. Um, <laughs> and and they, they'd said he they'd said he works in a Basildon Amazon warehouse. Oh. So I was like, oh, that can't be right, because right, he said he was a gas engineer. And we're good. There are two Vanskys. Really? Turns out. <gasps> and he does exactly the same thing. And even then, they haven't thought of Van Gogh. They haven't thought of Van Gogh or Gogh or whatever that, it is. That is insane yeah. that two people have got the same Thanks. name that yeah. does not work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, Sophie, what, what else are we talking about? Can we, we talk hot tubs? You, neither of you saw this, please, right? Please, hot So tubbers. this was um, Tuesday. There was Susan Kalman, <laughs> literally dressed like I did when I was five years old. Like a black and red checked dress, which she said she was wearing because she was on telly and her mum wanted her to wear a dress. But it, there was an amazing seg from her into 
hot tub bacteria, right? <laughs> exactly what you want to watch when you're eating your tea at the time the, the one shirt goes out. And it was this presenter going round interviewing people in the northeast of England, of four or five of them, groups of them, in the hot tub. So he's standing uncomfortably at the edge of the hot tub. And they're all going, oh, yeah, I pride myself on keeping my hot tub clean. And you're like, oh, bet you're fun at parties. <laughs> but one of them inexplicably was a Freddie Mercury impersonator. So going to make it up. I mean, it's so one show. So he'd come off stage, he'd got into the hot tub still with the tash on, and obviously in real life sounded nothing like him, looked nothing like him. <laughs> the presenter said, the chemical balance of Billy's hot tub isn't right. And I was like, sounds like a euphemism. Um, and they basically tested them all, and one of them, they found worms in one of them. I just don't even know what the worms? point of it was. It was about people not cleaning their hot tubs out enough, the whole segment. I mean, good... Mm. Our final hot tub of the day is Mickey Mackey, who's got his mates around for an afternoon dip. Gotta say, you guys look like you're having a lot of fun there. Yeah, we are having it. What is it about this hot tub, Mickey, that you love so much? I've had a back operation, so it's like really helps um, relax my muscles. Recently, Mickey had some unwelcome guests lurking in the water. I can see your mate's faces here dropping a little bit. What have you actually seen in this water? Uh, just sort of like little wiggly worm things, you know, don't tell these that, they'll jump out. <laughs> Tony suspects that these bugs were enjoying Mickey's tub because he wasn't using enough chemicals to kill them off. So he's got some tips for the future. Keep the filters clean. You know, we've talked on this show before about, because we learned this from Jay Rayner, didn't we, when he mm. came on, about what they did. They film hundreds of films, they yep. put them on the shelf, and then they wait for an opportunity to play them in. Yeah. So they must have gone, oh, Calman's got a hot tub tail. We've got a hot tub thing. <laughs> yep. We could just stick that on. I can tell you, I had a friend who had a hot tub, the television presenter Richard Bacon. <laughs> and he, uh, he said, owning a hot tub is exactly what you should do if you'd like to spend every third weekend driving around London looking for a particular brand of chlorine. <laughs> <laughs> There's no joy in it. Because well, Susan Cam was saying it's like a bath. Like, why would you get in a bath with anyone Yeah, in else? your garden. Yeah. Let's have a garden bath. <laughs> They brought this back up again with the Peter Crouch interview, didn't they? Yes. Because he was talking about uh, um, football. Communal baths. Communal, that yeah, was one of the things I learnt this yeah, week, yeah. that communal baths are no more. Yeah, it's, there you go. Yeah, he was saying it used to be a thing and they'd all jump in and have the champ of the trophy and be in the bath. Yeah. So it doesn't happen anymore. Oh, I'm not going to be a footballer now. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I look forward to. Well, think, speaking of things I learned, here's the thing. The origin of the length of the marathon. Yes, I wrote that right. down. Yep. Oh, do you know, I did see this going out as a package but it really switched me off I, I couldn't pay attention to it I thought it was so dull yeah well this is good because I, I came up with a new feature this week which I haven't warned you about uh, which is at what point did you zone out oh. so, we'll, so this was yours okay. absolutely I, I saw there was a man with a moustache yeah. there were some black and white photographs and I, and I was aware I had to watch it for this and I couldn't, I couldn't look at it. I just, I just ebbed away. I don't think I did anything in it. I think I just switched off. Yeah. Well, what you missed then was this. So in 19, the 1908 Olympics, which was in London at White City Stadium, a baker from Italy decided okay. he'd just enter the marathon. He, he didn't win, but he, was, he would have done, but he was taken out on a technicality. The technicality was he collapsed <laughs> as he came into the stadium. So before that, in 1908, the marathon, was there was no official length. It was roughly 25 or 26 miles. Right. Now, they started the marathon at Windsor Castle. Yeah. 
in 1908. Which again, I was like, that wouldn't happen these days, no, would it? Come they, on, guys. He ran, the, the marathon runners ran to White City Stadium, long gone, but it was a, that was exactly 26 miles to the entrance of the stadium. However, the organisers had put the finish line around the other side of the track so more people could see the runners and it, coming. So it ended in front of the Royal Box Ex- as well. Exactly, yes, that's right. And that, from the entrance to the stadium to the Royal Box was 385 yards. And he came in, he turned the wrong way because he was exa- like dehydrated, exhausted, that fell over twice. The race officials had to help him up. They all helped him to the finish line. He thought they were trying to stop him, so he was like fighting. <laughs> but he And they helped him over the line and he became a, a national hero, a celebrity. But he, he didn't win because he was disqualified because he was helped. Yeah. But that's why now it's 26 miles 385 yards because of what he did. See, I find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. The way the one show put, put it, I couldn't even listen. <laughs> Amazing. And that's partly the problem. Is there was a stand-up yeah. years ago who used to have a joke. I entered a marathon once. I wouldn't do it again. I got a load of peanuts stuck under my foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> a joke that anyone under yeah, under 35 will not yeah, understand. Absolutely. Um, the thing I learned this week is, is 1st of September is the point in the year where you are allowed to cut your hedges. And the reason for that is if you do it any further, there are still birds nesting chicks in nests. So 1st of September is the date when you should start cutting your head. What, will you be arrested if you do it before then? You'll be arrested by the bird police. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I learned is something you two won't have because you missed the gold of Tuesday's episode is that sales of hot tubs have nearly quadrupled this year. (laughs) That's insane. Because people like bathing in other people's jizz. That's That's what they love. The best thing I saw in the whole thing, it was the worst single VT you will ever watch. And at the same time, it was the the only place it could have been shown was the one show. Yeah, a chap who I've never seen before who went to a, a an underground sort of power station which was in a mountain in Oban in Scotland. And um, the video wasn't about that. There was a cafe next door. I was going to say, because that sounds interesting. <laughs> he went to the cafe, and what they have up in Oban is they have a colony of pine martins. So they're like weasels, and they were hunted to extinction in most of the UK. Hang on, we did pine martins in season one of this. <laughs> they love was pine, a pine martins. martin film. Yeah, the difference will become clear. Oh. Because they did this about Pine Martins. Pine Martins have been wiped out in England. They only really exist in Oban. And they had a thing where they brought a chef who was going to see if the cake that he made, a sugar-free peanut butter cake, was more... Was more attractive to the Pine Martins than the scones that the cafe makes and puts out. So they had a, <laughs> they had a bird table and they put this cake on and they put this scone on and let's wait for the Pine Martins. And there were about 30 seconds of them waiting. And he turned to her and she said, it's probably worth mentioning, pine martins are mainly nocturnal. (laughs) And she said, yes, but you do sometimes see them during the day. He went, right, okay. They went back to watching it. And he said, after a while, it was clear there weren't any pine martins about. So what we did is we left the cameras running. And then they disappeared and the cameras showed a crow eating the scone. (laughs) And then a seagull ate the cake. And it came back at the end, and they just went, well, we didn't see any Pine Martins. All the best, the end. (laughs) Wow! That was a video about not seeing Pine Martins. That's like the sort of thing... This happened last time! And then what are they doing? Last season, 
On this? Yeah. We talked about the video about a man went to a wood to Did film the pine. No, there was room. one. I think there was one at the end and we were amazed. <laughs> having one. I can't believe they're obsessed with pine fucking Martin. Having one. At least you can say it's a film about pine Martin. Absolutely. Martins. Not it, about failing it, to find them. This was, this was a film I could have made in the centre of Oxford Street. <laughs> well, we didn't see any pine Martins. Of course, now when it came back, just think as well, this has been sitting on the shelf for years and they've yeah. got the problem with it. it says pine Martins. They don't <laughs> see any. And they've gone, uh, do you know what? Let's put it out today. <laughs> just slow. We've got a slow program. Yeah, it came back, but well done to Matt Baker who just went, oh, well, we normally um, we normally succeed in those films. Even by the one show standards. <laughs> that was a failure. My zone out was uh, not dissimilar. A short-eared owl. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you what happened in that film. <laughs> Uh, did was, you zone out yeah, at any point? Yeah, it was Monday for me, the, the Hopwood Hall thing, that which was... involved someone allegedly from Hollywood who no one had ever heard of, who was coming to save a hall somewhere, but there was no running water in it and you could only walk in a third of it. It so was he... basically a jigsaw puzzle made of dirt in a field <laughs> yes. and he bought it. It's called Hopwood Hall. Yes. And they said, oh yeah, he's he's a Hopwood, but his first name was Hopwood. Yeah, so I, they were surname. calling it his ancestral home and I was thinking, no, I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. He basically, he was an American film producer. Hopwood Dupree. Hopwood Dupree. Has anyone even heard of that? Certain names, when it comes to money, if you got an email from someone saying, I'd like to invest in your film, uh, call me back, I've got a lot of money at my disposal. Yours, Hopwood Dupree. <laughs> You'd go, this just sounds like a scam. This sounds like yeah. dirty, rotten scoundrels. You're- so he was trying to turn it into a centre for the community, but he'd got 17-year-old volunteers in to, to rebuild it, and it, they just looked horribly out of their depth. And, and then he just started talking about his childhood, and it just lost me. Yeah, this, yeah zone out. This yeah. was... Andy Kershaw bit I think there was a point where someone said to Andy Kershaw oh well you know you should come down one weekend and do it and Kershaw just went (laughs) 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 really made it clear that was not going to happen and it was also good when he laughed you don't see yellow teeth on TV much anymore (laughs) Peter Crouch Absolutely White the opposite. T- yes. Whitest teeth. I was I mean, it, it was like they need a Adam needs a filter on his camera for this. <laughs> it, it's like what Crouch's teeth doing? He also mentioned he once paid two hundred and fifty pounds for, for a haircut. haircut. Yeah, that, they tried to put that out as a viral clip on the one show's Twitter feed. Did you see that? No, no. I did. There was a still of Alex and Matt looking shocked, and it was like, what are they shocked about? It's the amount Peter Crouch spent on a haircut. What was it? Watch the one show to find. Oh well, I will. I have to. But, <laughs> viral. T- of the day I yeah. feel like you're failing it was probably years. by Michael Douglas the celebrity hairdresser who does one show I dance. oh yeah he's not cheap I, I wrote down a £250 haircut because then they talked about on the Peter Crouch episode a thing I learned exactly but it was a sort of what moment where he said yeah I had this £250 haircut and then they, they said to him well tell us about the next thing they talked about was the robot thing that Peter Crouch was yes. famous for the goal celebration where he did a, a jerky robot thing yeah. I'm not into football it was a I sort of it was a sort of robot dance like he was dancing to the Arctic Monkeys I bet you look good about. on the dance floor that's, that's lyric dancing about to Electro Pop like, like a robot from 1984 there yeah. you go right and then they said so where did that start and he said well it started when I was at a party at David Beckham's house yeah massive humble brag yeah was it I thought <laughs> yeah uh, and, he, and he said and so I was at a party at David Beckham's house right and it was being televised and I went what Whoa. <laughs> wait what I thought that what sort of where I was at a party and it was being televised do you know, do you know what because I listened to the rest of that story and I think Peter Crouch 
didn't understand what televised meant. Yeah. And what, he, what, he, on, like, what he meant was someone filmed. filmed it on a camera yes. phone. <laughs> And then it ended up on the internet, and I was like, no, you've misunderstood. Do you what think the one show is just filmed on someone Adam's camera phone? <laughs> and it just ends up on television by accident. That's what it is. Just watching someone's party, maybe, someone's shit party. Maybe Peter Crouch, when he's like playing football, and you look into the crowd and you can see everyone with their phones, you go, good coverage today. Good coverage. <laughs> he's never worked out that the big things at the side, which he thinks of as the robot guards, are actually cameras. <laughs> Also in that episode, we need to talk about the fact that Alicia Dixon's superhero, when you can choose of all of the powers ever, because you're writing a book, has the power of shooting beams of light from her hands. (laughs) This is uh, Alicia Dixon's book, and I had a look at this on Amazon to work out what it really was. Mm. Over the years, there have been X-Factor judges like David Walliams, who's a very successful kids' writing career, and Alicia Dixon's obviously had part of that, and a publisher, and I thought... It's funny. It's funny, I thought. Because I wouldn't necessarily think of Alicia Dixon as a writer of fiction. No. You know, that sort of comes as a bit of a surprise. And it's not really something when you're very busy that you have a lot of time to do. Sure. I noticed the first book came out in April and the second book's come out in September. Now, <laughs> that is a quick turnaround. That is a quick turnaround. Even for Alicia Dixon. I wrote just this on this subject. I, I zoned out again about this, but I, I wrote this. Alicia Dixon's book, did she write it? <laughs> Did she? That's all, that's all I've got. I had I, almost the same, but about whether or not Alex had read Peter Crouch's book, because she kept saying she did it's marvelous i've read it it was real and i thought i don't think you she read said that. as well she said I, i've never really read a sports never book sport. yeah don't, i don't read sports books and i thought books. hmm i mean could you take the word <laughs> sports <laughs> out of that i'm not, not sure <laughs> yeah crouch was funny in this bit peter he was. crouch he, was he, he had a big thing where they said you know what would you do a children's book about and he just went well there's not many stories about giants these days uh, and it's a bit of a one note thing where he always goes to his height but do you know what it works for me uh, yeah, yeah it was really I funny. That. it's, it's yeah. a shame you now hate Sophie, do you yeah. have Twitter spot? I'm waiting for that block. His it's, finger uh, must be just hovering over the button. Yeah, from three miles away. <laughs> it's a real shame. Uh, it, it is worth pointing out on that show as well that there was that little bit where Matt Allwright went and did a proper consumer thing on the ticket website via yes. GoGo. Yes. And uh, Couldn't he did. Via <laughs> he, he, he's good at that stuff. He's done it before, all that rogue traders. But they turned up at the office of via GoGo and he did that thing of striding through the reception with the two cameramen banging either side of him. And he got to the reception desk and he was like, I want to speak to the Via Gogo people. And the guy by the reception just went, Oh no, they left. They're not here anymore. Yeah. Like that. And he had to turn around and go, So they've gone. <laughs> but then they let him upstairs in the lift to go to the empty office where he said he saw on a desk a letter from the House of Commons yeah. that he surmised was inviting them to the select committee but, hearing. I mean, I do have that, that thing like, about Via Gogo. If they had moved when that letter was there, they probably would have taken the letter. If you move a dress, you can't then sort of go, well, they didn't respond to anything we said. You've got the wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> They've moved. Let's talk about the the Jack Black Kate Blanchett mm, yes. episode, which we, we have touched upon. I am the warlock. <laughs> Let's talk about the child who was on 
that episode. Uh-huh. Did you did you see this? No, I've seen this advertised on a bus. Oh. So it's a picture of Jack Black yeah. and Kate Blanchett, and yeah. there's a kid in the middle. Yeah. And is it called something like The Clock in the Wall? The house with the clock in the wall? Got yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. But it's also it's directed, we should say, by Eli Roth. Yes. But Eli Roth is better known as the director, a writer director of Hostel, one yeah. of those horrific yeah, proper misogynist, the second one, Hostel 2 is one of the most even I, I like a horror film, but that even made I. me feel sick. <laughs> we found disgusting. John Holmes's limit. Yeah. 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 Wow. I wonder when it was going to come. Like, it's, a, it's a horrible film. And he, Green Inferno, which has got a remake of Cannibal Holocaust. And now he's, he's on the one show so far. I'm going, what? <laughs> Punting his kids' film. Oh, yeah. To be fair, they had Jack Black and Kate Blanchett there for a long time. And eventually, they just shoved the kid and Eli Roth on the end. And I yeah. thought, mm, oh, if I was yeah. them, I'd be a bit cross. Well, I'm glad because that kid, right? And he was about, mm. I don't know how old that kid is. About 10, 11, something like that. Yeah, I would him about 12. I fucking hated him. Like, I, <laughs> what, do you remember that old episode? Episode of Wogan where the antiques boy yes. was on with a bow tie. Yes. And he's fucking, and now, James Harry's. Yes. Thank you. Very good. And now she, he is a she. Yeah, Lauren, Lauren Harry's. Yeah, something. Harry's. But she, he was fucking weird back then, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and th- this kid was the most annoying. I mean, precocious was coined for him. Really? Shit. Yes. Really? Yeah. But honestly, what a He cunt. was really. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst thing was, considering how precocious he was, Eli Roth kept having to nudge him through that awful story about hiding a goat in Jack Black's trailer. What's in a story? <laughs> and then at the end, they said, you know, what did you think of working with Jack Black? And he sort of rolled his eyes and went... And how, and how freaky was it working with Jack as a warlock? Because we saw him in there with a the kimono and all the hair and all the business. <laughs> oh, he was just perfect. <laughs> Let me let me just show you again what I wrote down. I just wrote fucking annoying kid <laughs> yeah. in a bow tie and twats glasses <laughs> like that antique kid off Wogan. <laughs> and that's well, that sums it up. The thing that that, 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 that that James Harry's when he was on, they had an audience at Wogan, so the audience were absolutely like the, your hidden Greek chorus. So when he's on there and he's going, well, yes, I think this is... The audience are going, ah! <laughs> Listen to him! Listen to him, the stuck-up little bastard! <laughs> what you miss on the one show, of course, is an audience who can get a bit sort of like, boo! <laughs> Tell that kid to shut his gob! When they said to him, and I just wrote down, you I mean, you enlightened us as to the goat thing, but I just yeah. wrote some kind of goat anecdote. Yeah, it was obviously supposed to be funny, but it took a long time and then Jack Black said something which seemed to scare the kid. Did you notice that? <laughs> Jack Black said something and he sort of went, <laughs> and Eli Roth nudged him into continuing everyone the story. You. The kid was sitting at squash between Jack Black and Eli Roth, but then when they asked him, tell us about the goat, he, he didn't immediately do that. He just started clapping and jumping. Yeah. He just saw his feet didn't touch the floor like I want to do on a sofa. <laughs> but he was just going, <laughs> You. Oh, why can't you be in hostel? The other Eli Roth where he fucking hangs you upside down in a, in a disused warehouse. And I'm, I'm obsessed with how much you've taken against this child. <laughs> oh, he was really annoying. Yeah. I mean, oh, really, really annoying. He's going to watch it on iPlayer. He's really irritating. And we speak as parents. Yeah. Not of the I same mean, children, so no. I feel let's be clear. No. Well, as, as people who sort of embrace... You know, children. Oh, children. I don't embrace. I'm going to embrace that kid. <laughs> There's something really, really demeaning, isn't there, about two people in their late thirties <laughs> telling an eleven-year-old boy that his anecdotes on television aren't up to scratch. 
We'll take a long hard look at ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say I was in my late 30s? I'm taking that. I said it because Sophie was here. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't want <laughs> to get it wrong. <laughs> I am going to say, you case. know me better than that, but I am taking it. Do you know what? I thought I was taking a roll of the dice when I said late 30s. <laughs> All right. Okay. So look, things we haven't talked about yet. We've, we've covered much ground, yes. I think. There's, there's going to be little bits we've missed. Any other business, Mark? So there was one little VT they did about whether a hedge in your front garden could change the quality of your life by sucking pollution from the road outside. Sorry, was this connected to the September hedge cutting film or is this a different <laughs> think film? I have been the lead no, 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 fine. And it's presented by a guy, I don't know who he is, but he has a, like, a, a little twirled up moustache that's waxed at the end. Yeah, he did the Houses of Parliament one as well this Got, week. Yeah. He looks a bit like a sort of Renaissance Dutch clown. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> and they were basically saying what these hedges will do, placed in the front garden of a house on a busy road, they will stop the pollution getting through and this was found out by a an expert who works for the royal horticultural society and i thought yeah you know that's a bit of a vested interest isn't it they're naturally going to go yo you know what's great hedges so they they did this at the house and they left it there for two weeks and a classic one show thing they came back after the two weeks to see how much pollution had been saved by the leaves they went through a long thing they took a load of leaves off they mixed them with water they put them through a filtration system the water was then sucked out and they saw what was left and it was quite a shock because at the end of it there was enough dust to cover a regular size round tea bag (laughs) (laughs) and they were all looking at it like it was fucking Novichok right and going I mean could you believe that can you believe that and everyone was going oh I'm absolutely horrified honestly there there is like more dust on my on my face (laughs) I, I can't I can't tell you how unimpressive it was uh, Sophie, any other business? Kate Blanchett had two pigs called Benson and Hedges and they got smoked. That fascinated me because they were sort of trying to roll out the goat anecdote a bit longer. It came out that Jack Black was scared of animals and then it, they just sort of casually threw to her about that and she said she was bidding to try and make her kids vegetarian and it didn't work because they ate the pigs. So they were, they were called Benson and Hedges yes. and they were smoked. They got smoked as in at the end, I believe. They smoked bacon. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that brings us to... Um, um, yeah, the usual messy end, doesn't it? Um, so, Mark, thank you very much. My pleasure, John. Thank you. Uh, Sophie, sorry to put you through it, but I, it your parents, fun. you said your parents, were, at the beginning of the show, your parents yeah. were fans of The One Show. Are they going to yeah. listen to this? I might not tell them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fine. So that was this week's edition of The The One Show Show. And remember, when you look at the television to look at The One Show, The One Show also looks back into you. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.